is the SOC, the state of combat on CBS Sports Returns. And you better believe it's back with a bang, talking pro wrestling and so much more this week, getting you juice with another lethal injection of that performance-enhancing audio. No, you're not going to pop a wellness test with this stuff. You will get fired the heck up as the Brian Campbell. The last time I checked, folks, still the voice that you hear, still the name that's on the marquee, still the bod that is driving this damn pod, and still the man that reminds you, if you like what you hear on the show, if you like the taste of this bold dose of sauce and let me be frank i got that hot sauce then please tell a friend share it with your peeps you know what it's all about on this show it's all about device apple podcast wherever you consume fine audio hey tell us what you like yeah yeah i read i read your your hateful remarks Tell, tell, tell them you got a problem with BC. Bring it to the table, folks. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, I don't think I got much to, uh, uh, much else to say here, but we got a great show. We got a great show. It is Elimination Chamber Week. You better believe that. We got a full preview coming your way. Hey, we're not just going to talk about WWE either on this show. All right, we're not just going to talk about NXT. We're going to talk about the real wrestling that's coming up on the horizon. You see that sunrise. You can see it in the distance, and I know it's getting you fired the heck up, and you hear an echoing voice off in the distance, and it's a question, and it's coming for you. I'm all in. Are you all in, Brian? Oh, come on. I'm, oh, I'm, come I'm on. <laughs> Whether you are talking about wrestling or not, Brandy, we are all in on the future. Let me bring in my co-host. He's salty. Some say he hedged, but I, well, don't say that anymore on your own podcast, BC. He is the bad guy. Say hello to the bad guy. Oh, yeah. He's the king of silver. His name, Adam Silverstein. Hey, now. You know, the face turn for the Silver King continues. And it's not booked that way. It's just natural. I'm very much like the man of this podcast, BC. The people like what the Silver King is selling. I am the man. Wow. Wow. Um, yeah, I might have to Vince McMahon your ass and come out and pour some uh, water on your balls and suspend you from this podcast for uh, 60 days. But um, you may you may have to. I'm just glad that you're not denying the reaction that you saw post show last week. Uh, look, I don't I don't understand. You know, I, it may have passed me by. We had a good run. These listeners, <laughs> these listeners love to share that they've been with me since the ESPN cheap heat days. Thank you very much, listeners. I, I'll never forget and uh, and not appreciate the support you gave me. You followed us here. You 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 bought what we're selling here. And now, just like in August, when there was one man bold enough, confident enough <laughs> to go against the grain in those dirty bed sheets and tell what was really going on. I don't know where these people are coming from. I don't know where they're going. They can, I don't think they can hear Jimmy. I don't think they know what it's like to eat fine steak, that when you take that bite, you are forever changed. <laughs> this is not oh, a – I'm sorry. The, just like Bob Backlund and Bret Hart in the mid-'90s, not that I would ever try to align with that dirtbag Bret Hart, but um, I change by not changing at all. Now I'm a heel because I'm speaking the truth. That's fine. That's perfect. That's not what it is. You're a heel because you're trying to treat – Someone who, again, unintentional here, so you're trying to treat the face like crap, and people aren't buying it. They're not taking it. 
Um, and especially when you tried to take advantage of an injured, debilitated Silver King last week, who after the show, about two hours later in home, at, when I'm at home, trying to edit the show, trying to get it up for everyone, takes his temperature. 102.5 degree fever. So you tried to take advantage Christ. of a debilitated Silver King. The fans wouldn't have it. The Silver King stood up for himself. And we're doing well. Now, we're coming to you today. BC is in Beverly Hills. Yes. Why the hell is BC in Beverly Hills? We'll get to that in a moment. I don't see dirty bed sheets. I, de- I do see dirty curtains in this hotel room. <laughs> the Silver King is about 90% less washed than he was a week ago. Feeling better. But BC, man. You're like camouflage washed right now. Well, there's very clean bed sheets in Beverly Hills, though. Very clean. Uh, you know, I wonder who has actually shared these bed sheets. I wonder what 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 Hollywood royalty here I am. Uh, uh, I'm touching indirectly, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm out in L.A. doing some doing some boxing work. Uh, uh, hey, check me out this weekend, folks. If if you get into that, if you get into a little PBC boxing, little interview shows coming your way. But uh, still, despite the fact that I broke my back, still ready to bring. That performance-enhancing audio still ready. I, look, again, not to gloss over it, I don't get why the people turned your back on BC all you want. Now the people are turning their back on AEW through BC. What is this? What it's, your, is it's, your, it's your fault. You're the one forcing it. You can't force things down people's throats. You have to have them find it and appreciate it when it naturally comes up, when there's a reason to praise it. And, and you can't – like we have legitimate reasons this week to talk about AEW and praise AEW, and we're going to. I think but they this, don't need it force-fed down their throats like you tried to do it last week. I think people have lost their optimism. They've lost their excitement for pro wrestling. They only want to eat what's served to them. They no, want to be realists. They want to. They no. only want to believe it when they see it. They don't want to. You know, they don't want to be ahead of this game, and that's fine. You know, that's, that's not what it is. People just don't like when uh, people try to go overboard with things. They like to say like, "Yeah, this is something that's intriguing me. I'm I'm willing to see how it plays out. I don't need to." Put the cart before the horse, basically, you and that's what. Yeah, and that's what that's what they feel like's happened. Also, and and one other thing, uh, how do you talk about breaking your back and you don't either have the backyotomy sound drop, nor for the box AO show? Do you have my back is broke? Like, do you have that? Are you are you asking uh, Mike Tyson here what is uh what is wrong with his back here? What 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 happened to him in that famous interview? I broke my back. What do you mean by that? You broke back is broken. What, a, a vertebrae or, or well, what portion? Spinal. Yeah, I got some <laughs> spinal going on. Doctor said I need a backyotomy. Apparently, I found out the hard way. Uh, I've been in L.A. for a while that um, since last week that do not get a Thai massage when your back is hurting you. I had no idea what a damn Thai massage was. Boy, did I find out the hard way. And I don't. when I say the hard way, I don't mean that way. I mean the hard way. You know that move that uh, they call it a surfboard at times? Some people call it mm-hmm. a gory special. Uh, yeah, I basically had that put on me with a broken back. So uh, I will not be back on the massage table any I'm, I'm just hoping Mrs. Campbell is not listening to the State of Combat with BC talking about getting Asian okay. massages well, out in LA. Thing. Mrs. Campbell was the one who told me to do it. So I'm like, I got a hall pass. And I don't mean a hall pass for – I just mean I, I got I to gotta, go. Sure, take the credit card. Go heal yourself but i didn't do the damn research you know what i mean it just there was an language barrier between us because all the reputable places you need appointments like days in advance you need to fill out paperwork oh the place i went to you just walk in and it's it's uh zero to to free balling and you're ready for action you know what i mean 
I think, look, uh, we're talking Asian massager all of a sudden, and uh, I'm just surprised that she was okay with that. That's interesting. Well, luckily, um, luckily, she does. But we're not. But BC, show. we're we're not sponsored by Asian massage parlors here as much not as yet. Not yet. <laughs> as much as we may want to be here at the State of Combat, but we do have a couple other people that would like to share some good words with you. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, one love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. All right, and we're back, Silver King. The business is behind us. Uh, any other house cleaning? Any other notes to the fans, the people, before we dig right into this week as we uh, go home? We go home ahead of Elimination Chamber. Not really. I will say I briefly mentioned merch. And again, I don't even know if that's something that we can do. But there was a Twitter thread about T-shirt ideas and things like that that I saw. Uh, we may need to do something regarding that for WrestleMania weekend. I don't You're know. Saying we may need to show up in uh, the tri-state area, New York, New Jersey, for WrestleMania 35 weekend in our own merch, wearing our own T-shirts. Wearing our own catchphrases, taking a sign that, let's say, Mount Rushmore appointee uh, Tristan Atalano would would hang up high during a pay-per-view and put that across our chest. Yeah, possibly. I mean, look, if AEW can be a T-shirt company that runs wrestling events, maybe the State of Combat can be a T-shirt company that runs podcasts. That might work. Wow, wow. We have catchphrases galore to put on there. Uh, I can't wait for a picture. Uh, uh, I, I see it now. Black t-shirt. Silver King's face blown up on the front, similar to the James Elf. No one wants WD, that. WD, no, no shirt. one wants that. And then on the back, quote, I never hedged. No one wants that shirt. No one wants to wear my face on it. All right, all right. Hey, I, would never put that, I, would, I would never put that on anyone, but there are good ones, like Milk of Marknesia. I mean, there's myriad shirts that we could put out there performance enhancing audio obviously is a, an easy one get some of this i don't know uh we will take suggestions hey, check me out on our on our uh i i was a guest uh over the weekend on showtime's below the belt podcast with brendan Schaub. a lot of people know him as an ex-ufc heavyweight current comedian has a showtime comedy special coming up I think he once smashed Ronda as well, by the way, just uh, as we're revisioning mm. history there. Silver King, just the eyes lit up right there. Uh, I was yeah. on his show. Stri- Strike Force Ronda? Because that Strike Force Ronda was, you know, interesting. All right. All right. Interesting. Uh, I think it was early UFC Ronda, but that's fine. And uh, uh, we got into a little uh, Miracle of Marknesia, Kurt Angle, two bottles of milk talk on there. So go find, oh, nice. that. find that collaboration on YouTube and check it out. But uh, yeah, that's about it. Um, I'm sure we'll talk Dean Ambrose at some point. What does Renee think? Dean Ambrose looks like he wants a piece of this pie. Yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does. Uh, you, ready to, you ready to jam here, Silver King? Yeah, let's hit up that main event. And really, we would be doing a disservice to everyone if we did not start the main event with the biggest news coming out of WWE this week, BC, which is Vincent Kennedy McMahon removing the man, Becky Lynch, from the main event of WrestleMania 35, replacing her 
with Charlotte Flair in the one-on-one match with Ronda Rousey. Now, uh, oftentimes we do not speak uh, Monday and Tuesday nights so that this show stays fresh. This is an instance where we had to talk uh, immediately after this went down to close Raw at 11 p.m. sharp. Right off the top, BC, um, there's a lot of different angles that we can take when we discuss this. And I think a lot of people maybe misunderstand why some out there don't enjoy the storyline that was presented yes. to them on Monday night. So I want you to clarify um, exactly what you did not like about what closed Monday Night Raw. Yeah, let, let, let's give Monday Night analysis right here because Tuesday added some things to it. So let's do the, hey, if this was the instant analysis Raw breakdown, here's what you're going to get. Um, right. A lot of you people out there, and I did drop a you people. I, I'm not trying to go heel, folks. You're forcing it on me. But a lot of you people got worked in your effort to try to tell Silver King and I on Twitter that we got worked. Here's what you missed. Right. The problem is not Charlotte being added to this triple threat match. We thought that was coming. We said at various times that was the move that is best for business. It's really the problem is here the inclusion of Vince McMahon and the microwaving, WWE-ifying main rostering of this feud that was already amazing and already organically over and already was perfect, and now we're taking a bucket of Vince water and pouring it over. And when you do that, when you include uh, a corporate rock angle here that doesn't belong, you contradict everything that you've built, and you sort of dumbed down something that had been so special. What do I mean by that? A 60-day suspension here is stupid for this offense, just as stupid as the kayfabe 63-hour build toward will she apologize or won't she? Like, it's lame. I stuck with it because they really stretched it out. I like the backstage advice that with all the people. There. I liked a lot of what they did. I looked past that. I liked where they're going. And then you completely weaken Becky Lynch. And I know what all you people out there are going to say. You're going to say, that's what Vince's plan was. His plan was to troll you. That's my point. What this feud doesn't need, what this build toward the damn historic first women's WrestleMania main event does not need is troll booking and Vince going back to the formula, right? What do we not like about Raw? It's formulaic. They get into an argument after commercial, we got a six-man tag every single time. Things you don't see on SmackDown because it's a little more pure and, and, and different and raw. Raw this week wrought up something that was so perfect. And yes, they have two months to fix it. I get it. I get the arguments that were so far out. They've got to do something to play with the storyline. But Adam, we are not wrong in our initial outrage that you took something so good and inserted uh, things that just did not need to be there. Yeah, it was lazy and uninspired. That's my issue with it. It's not even so much that they're going back with the corporate screw job, you know, angle, anointing Charlotte Flair. You know, it's that kind of fits at least with the script of Charlotte getting opportunities she doesn't deserve and screwing Becky over. I'm okay with Charlotte being a replacement for Lynch, who at least temporarily as part of the storyline is not able to be in this match. But why are you carrying an injury storyline for three weeks? Only for the resolution of the injury storyline to be, oh, yeah, she went to her doctors and it's okay. Yeah, there's like, a lot of haphazard last minute. Like, they set us up for three hours, Adam. Tell me I'm wrong. 
to tell us that we're getting Stone Cold Steve Austin booking for Becky, which would have been potentially fine or not. I'm not sure it's your call. Stone Cold never would have apologized. Who cares if she apologized? Why are we focusing on this crap? It's a fight. Well, he would, no, this Austin would apologize. He, he'd say, I'm sorry. They'd shake hands. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you're a piece of trash. Yes. Stunner, yes. middle fingers walk off the show. So you get the apology. You know, he, he filled the request. Still looks like a badass and is still in the match. Then the next week on Raw, they would come out and say, you know, Steve, you blah, blah, blah. We're going to put another roadblock in front of you. We're going to suspend you for two weeks. And if you try to come on to TV in those two weeks, we're going to pull you out of the match at WrestleMania. That's what they, that's how they book Steve Austin. Vince McMahon suspended Becky Lynch in storyline 60 days for having an ego. That's it. He basically said, you think you're the man. You're not the man. I'm the man, which was a good line. Credit to Vince. That was a good line. Uh, and then, you know, you think you're bigger than WWE. So I'm going to suspend you for 60 days. And they had him suspend her coming off of a suspension. She just had a suspension <laughs> where she never missed a week of TV. She, she never missed she anything. both shows. I mean, you know, up to this point. And, and the stupid thing, and look, I like, so I'll give him credit, the cohesiveness of Vince also throwing two shots at Rousey in that and saying, Rhonda, you also think you're bigger. You know, he, he threw a shot at her in that. But that doesn't cover up for this fact. What is she suspended for? Becky is suspended for attacking authority figures, right? Who has been beating the living crap out of authority figures since she arrived on the scene? Ronda freaking Rousey, who never once received any kind of uh, – did she Did she ever re- receive a suspension or anything? Yes, she did. She did get suspended. Yep. It, it just she, she got a 30-day suspension, couldn't be on TV until like a pay-per-view, had the match. Steph suspended her after the second time, I think. Yeah. All right, she all did. Right. Then, but but again, but that's step, not the point. I'll, I'll take a step back on my outrage. No, no, but, but that's not the point, Brian. She should have been suspended for attacking them, if, if, if she was, by Triple H and Stephanie. Vince didn't suspend her for attacking them. He didn't suspend her from acting out. He suspended her for thinking she's bigger than WWE, which, again, is meaningless. It, it's – it was – listen, listen, listen. It, you're right in that adding Charlotte to the match, I don't have a problem with that. Is it ideal? Is it what I would I, ideally want? No. Okay? Them pulling Becky out of the match kayfabe and putting Charlotte in is fine to get to the point of a triple threat eventually. But you can't do it in such a lazy, haphazard, uninspired way where you could book better if they gave you 30 minutes to do so. So It was lazy. It was bad. The only thing that was good was the execution by Vince because Vince is good on the mic. But that doesn't save a poorly uh, conceptualized idea. And look, if it's only troll booking, then again – you don't need that now. Like, this is so perfect. You don't need it. So when you do it lazy like this, it brings up natural conspiracy theory knee-jerk reactions. And the one that's screaming inside of my tinfoil hat wearing head, Adam, is this. Becky got over so organically on her own in ways that Vince wasn't necessarily trying or planning that he needs to step in and storyline slash reality humble that a little bit and remind everybody who's in charge. Is that BS to you? I would say for most people, that would be true. Rusev, yes. We've seen things like that happen, right? Elias, they just turned him back heel for really no good reason to cool him off. You don't do that with your number one star on the road to WrestleMania where she's going to main event and win the title. I mean, look, I don't think anything's changed for WrestleMania. I still think Becky's obviously going to be in the match. I still think Becky's obviously going to come out and win the title in the main event. But now what you have is you've basically 
instead of going with Ronda being a heel, you're forcing her into this tweener role where she is mad at the authority because she's not getting the match that she deserves with Becky, and she's fighting because Becky Ronda, she believes, is the true main event, yet she's still going to go through with fighting Charlotte, right, storyline-wise, because she's not going to give up her spot, and she's going to align herself with Lynch maybe against the authority, but at the same time, still hate Becky because they still hate each other. So they've... I feel like this was maybe more so done than anything else to combat the Ronda Rousey boos that yes. we saw. Then, But again, you can do that in a more intelligent, thoughtful, creative way than just coming out and saying, hey, Bex, you have an ego. You're suspended for 60 days. I don't get it. Like, they, they, it's a trope. They've done this so many times you know, baby face against the authority, the authority putting roadblocks in the way of the face. I don't need the McMahons involved in a WrestleMania angle. And I know we have seven weeks until Mania. And you can do things like a side feud between Rousey and Ruby Riot and Lynch and Charlotte. Maybe Charlotte, and people will disagree with this idea, maybe Charlotte pins Becky somehow and forces herself into the match that way. There's a million other things you can do. But for Charlotte to kind of just be added to the match, and then Becky to earn her way back in. We've seen it a million times. Right. It devalues the Royal Rumble. It doesn't make booking sense, and it's lazy. Because what they had built here between Becky and Charlotte already was this interesting frenemy thing. Not a forced down your throat uh, Bailey and Sasha Banks frenemy thing. Like a kind of organic, really cool frenemy thing where it's like sometimes it makes sense that they look at each other with respect. Sometimes they want to tear each other's throats out. Uh, what you don't need is, like you said, the lazy sort of corporate booking for no reason. Charlotte has been too great lately to need that. Now, I mentioned that was my Monday night response. What's changed right. in this since Tuesday? We obviously didn't see Becky because she's suspended. I have to give credit where credit is due, Adam. I thought, and you can tell me what you think, Charlotte's opening promo on Tuesday night was not only exactly how I want all Raw and SmackDowns to open – not only did it set the tone for what I thought was a fantastic Tuesday night episode, uh, Charlotte friggin' brought it. She bought into the corporate storyline. She bought into the I am the privileged one. And she nailed it. Where Nailed it enough to repair some of my Monday night hatred. She did crush it. No question she crushed it. It didn't repair anything for Monday. To me, that was two separate storylines. It's Charlotte continuing that one. Um, that doesn't repair the damage done to Becky Lynch just because Charlotte was great on the mic. I mean, I do think she was great. She nailed it. Um, Did you not like I, the part where um, – so they spent three hours building toward this apology, which is so monumental, and you bring in all these voices backstage to explain why you need to get over your pride. The Finn segment was great. Oh, loved it. Loved the Alexa yeah. – loved the, the, the sort of depth to the Alexa Bliss portion of it as well. And then she apologized, and then Trips and Steph are just like, okay, cool. We'll see you later. That. It was okay. It was okay. Cool. We'll see you later. And then Becky goes, that's it. And literally that was my thought. And it was, I tweeted it. I was like, yeah, that's it. Like that was the climax. And you get now what that was. That was a bridge to set up Vince, but it was, again, it was just very, uh, it just, no, no, no. Let me ask you this, Brian, I'm going to propose this question to you. I'm married. If that's where you're going. What if, and this is giving WWE epic amounts of credit. What if this is a complete swerve where they add Charlotte to the match, right? And now you're thinking, storyline-wise, Becky's going to earn her spot back. 
probably by beating Charlotte one-on-one at Fastlane, right? Or something, or, or tapping Vince out, or locking Ric Flair in the disarmor in two weeks during his birthday celebration on Raw, or something like that. She fights her way back into the match. But what if instead of fighting her way back into the match, she takes Charlotte out of the match? And the swerve is, instead of it, the swerve is that us thinking it's going to be a triple threat when it really winds up being one-on-one again, Becky versus Ronda. If that happens, to me, it saves some of it, but it doesn't make it any less lazy on how they inserted Charlotte back into the mix. I'd be, I'd be in for that because that would tell you that um, where, where we are is two months out, and they may, and again, they may not have much storyline-wise, so that may have been the reason why they went in this direction. And if their reasoning is to bring it back to that swerve surprise you just nailed, then uh, yeah, then that tells a fun story and you got me. Okay, and all the people that think I'm getting worked right now may have a point if it's going in that direction. That's how I feel, too. I feel like it's a it would legitimately be a great work if Charlotte is not in the match at all. Yes. But then you're seven weeks out from WrestleMania and now you're advertising Charlotte Flair for a match that she's not going to be in. Uh, I mean, you can have she can have a role at some point if, if they really want to do this. I don't know. A special guest referee injured? Does she have allegiance? Oh, uh, no, you can't it? have her as a referee. Why not? She she uh, she just got through surgery. She's uh, a beautiful lady. Who just got through surgery? Charlotte. Like nine months ago. Okay. okay. What are you talking about? All right. All right. Now, I, I don't know. I don't think there's a spot for her other in the match or around the match other than being in it. Well, we don't. So it's either, a, it's either a trip. For me, it's this. It's simple. It's either a triple threat, and this was lazy uninspired booking or it's one-on-one Becky versus Rhonda and it's slightly less lazy and uninspired. I just, you know, people sent me DMs. I don't have names or, or numbers or whatever. In fact, I'm, I might be, uh, this might be a D yeah, no, this is, this is a DM free show. All right. It's about us right now. So back the hell off. But, uh, some people <laughs> had the suggestions like, are we going to a corporate direction where each McMahon is backing one of the three women? Please. No, no, please. No, no, no. do not do that. Do not go in that direction. Um, you know that they have enough time. All will be fine in the end. We know this. This is really a, Match, you can't screw up because it's going to be hot fire. It's going to be well. You thought you thought they couldn't, and then they deliver a nice steaming pile here to end Monday night. I I just more than anything, I don't get people that are defending this. And I've seen your tweets, Brian's seen them too. I understand why you're defending them, but I mean, we saw it with Austin, we saw it with Daniel Bryan, and this is probably the laziest out of all three of them. Literally, just saying you're suspended for no good reason, like. You have to create a reason for her to be suspended. Why didn't they just have Vince come out and say that apology wasn't good enough? And then she puts him in the disarmor, let her get some heat by attacking Vince, and then next week on Raw suspend her. Yeah, because there's because this feels like such a Vince call. That's why. Because it's about Vince. So look, um, whether we are way off on the backstage dynamics or not, hey, Trips, take the book, brother. It's time. Oh, my God. It's time. Watching NXT this past week reminded me that it's time, Adam. Ah, We're going to get to NXT. I I forced this way onto the show, but I'm not going to talk about it just yet. We'll kind of close the show with NXT. Uh, I do want to talk about a couple things that happened on Raw BC that we're not going to discuss in our Elimination Chamber preview because this Elimination Chamber card, well, it sucks. Uh, At least that's my opinion. Um, 
So two major developments on Raw that we should talk about. One, we have new tag team champions. They are The Revival, no flips, just fists, forever The Revival, defeating Chad Gable and Bobby Roode in the main event match, at least, on Monday night. I think it was over 20 minutes. Really quality match. Um, you know, you're, I know immediately what your thought is going to be here. Oh, they did this as a reaction to them threatening to leave. And I probably agree with that. Uh, but I don't, that doesn't change for me the fact that it was a great match and I thought, thought it was a great move. Yeah, I like that. I like that in the end. If 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 all that they were going to get on this Elimination Chamber card was some kind of uh, kickoff show match that we really wouldn't have focused that much time on, giving them the showcase, the three-segment Raw match in the prime spot of it, it turned out to be a huge success. That had pay-per-view feels the whole way. The Revival were incredible in this match, as was Gable. I thought Gable was really the standout, the athleticism Bobby, By the way, Bobby Roode was great, too. He really was, and we don't yeah. Give- we don't give him a lot of credit for being on par wrestling wise with some of the other guys. He held his own in that match. I mean, that finish of the moonsault into the uh, shatter machine was fantastic. Uh, look, you get mad. Apparently, this new wave, this new breed of listeners get mad that everything goes back to AEW. But yeah, for a reason, because we're in the third boom period ever. There's real competition right now. Yes, the revival, they are appeasing them. But at the same time, it's the right call because the revival are, you know what they are? They take the spirit of where AEW and NXT and this new indie is going. And what that is, is mixing elements of the past in with the new. And that's why it's so fresh because we, it feels like we know it already. Cause we're like, Oh, that reminds me of the eighties. And, and yet it's, it's, you know, fantastic athleticism in like it, WWE should be pushing tag teams like this with this type of style. I mean, Absolutely. it's very Tully and Arn, yet in it's gritty, and it's like, so in the end, however the motive was, this was the right call. Completely fired up, in on it. Thank you, Revival. Thank you for being old school. Thank you for not changing who you are. Thank you, if you did, for standing up for yourself and letting them realize that uh, you could go at any time, and, and uh, there's offers out there. It's a free world. It's a free market right now. This what is- sound drop were you looking for that you didn't find? I had a Revival sound drop in here, but I think it's, it's either gone or I moved it. All I, I saw had, the eyes going back and forth. All and I, I see just- is Yappa then, pie. I got too much yappa pie on here, but uh, you, and then know, just, you gave up. I saw at some yeah, point. Yeah. Uh, so, no, you're right. It, I, I don't care about the motivation. The result is what I care about. And we have been speaking on this podcast for months, really, about the raw tag team scene. And there's two issues with it. One, they don't have requisite talent on it compared to SmackDown. It's SmackDown is way overloaded and raw basically has no one, especially now that AOP, like the push original push was terrible. And one of them is injured. The B team was always a piece of crap, you know, and so on and so forth. So they actually have the one tag team on Raw that should be champion is champion. They have a really good foil in the Bobby Roode and Chad Gable team, although that's also not a great team. But more importantly, this is a situation where and, – and look, I have a feeling I know the way this is going to end this title run. But uh, they have a situation where they have two guys that are legitimate tag te- a legitimate tag team one of the best tag teams in the company that get to take this title, bring it all the way into WrestleMania, probably lose it at some point at WrestleMania, and then you're going to have the superstar shakeup. And all of a sudden on Raw, you might have a situation where you have like the Revival, the Usos, another really good tag team, you know, and Bobby Roode and, and Chad Gable, and all of a sudden it's like, wow, we have a revitalized tag team scene on Raw. But this entire year, it's been the lowest point of both main roster shows. The Raw tag team division, I think this is step one towards fixing it. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm in on that. And by the way, maybe speaking of fixing, we have a problem on the show right now, you know? Uh, the people don't like me anymore. The people want more Silver King in their life. So, uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe our chemistry, maybe we've hit, you know, we had a good marriage, we had a good run. Maybe we've hit our end point on that. Uh, we can't seem to get along anymore. Maybe we should, as AEW rises... Maybe there's a uh, white and black, red and black split coming. Maybe I start the State of Combat Wolfpack podcast. You know, don't turn your back on the Wolfpack where we go deep on AEW. It's me and Bob Backlund at TalkBox. And then, hey, if you still love WWE, Silver King can take you up and down the raw road every week. All right? It's yeah, well, what we need on State of Combat is two more hours of audio every single week. Because you only you only deliver six. We, we need to give them eight or more. Um, no, I think what the fans want from you, BC, is they just want you to calm down. They want you to take a breath you can't, and they you want you to you take some it. of the advice that the Silver King has been trying to give you, which is let's talk about things that actually matter with AEW. And we're going to do that coming up soon. Uh, we keep teasing it. We'll talk about it shortly. I have one more thing to talk about coming out of Raw before we move on. We saw Dean Ambrose once again in what I can call a good segment. I think it's been three weeks now where Dean Ambrose has done something interesting on Raw. And what he did this week was grab the microphone after uh, Seth Rollins' confrontation with Paul Heyman and basically tell Seth Rollins to go slay the beast. Rollins smiled and left the ring. What are they doing with Dean Ambrose? Is this a face turn? And are you starting to lean more toward the side that he's not leaving WWE? Uh, I'm not convinced that he's not leaving. What I think this is about is setting up WrestleMania. And you really planted that seed in my heart when you brought up the fun booking idea of Roman makes his spectacular return uh, with the giant babyface pop at Mania to help Seth win the championship. And of course, we went back and forth on, oh my God, on the potential of what that means for... Are about to explode in my pants right now. And how Reigns and Rollins might turn into a mega powers and explode on the TV screen. So you have to ask yourself, what does that mean for Ambrose? Why does that matter here? Well, here's the deal. On paper, Seth versus Lesnar is a sort of physical mismatch, right? Seth beat him in at 31 because he sort of stole the show and came in and pinned Reigns. They are expertly, and this week the Paul Heyman promo opposite Rollins wasn't like it was. Let me put it the right way. It was brilliantly simple. It wasn't like over the top next level, but it was perfect in identifying what the real themes are. That Seth's kind of putting his career on the line going one-on-one against somebody like Lesnar and Heyman hammering that home and Seth being like, look, I don't care. I'll be a martyr. I'll sell my soul. So Ambrose sort of going back baby, going back on his side as a potential friend could help him in the match. Uh, sort of even the sides and also could set up where if Dean's contract doesn't end until after WrestleMania, Roman runs in, they reunite the shield one more time because if Dean's leaving, really the shield is leaving. Yes, you can always reference it and show video packages and all that, but the shield's done. You're not going to substitute Kurt Angle back in, or at least, God, I hope not. Uh, It's done at that point. So you get one final dance on WrestleMania, the go-home, the, 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 the TV set turns off. The broadcast ends with The Shield one more time reunited because Lesnar takes out both guys. Reigns comes in to help him win it like it's Hogan at WrestleMania 4. But I want to take it a little bit to the next level here, Adam. What if that's the plan? 
only that's not the end of it. And just when we think we're going off the air, and yes, I'm talking about NXT Champa Gargano style, just as you're about to go off the air with the shield and the fists are in there, Seth turns his back on Roman one more time with the help of Dirtbag <laughs> Dean. And Dean's exit is to help Seth go dirty again. And then we start up the Roman versus Seth feud for the next year. That will be this generation's Rock and Austin that we need, that we deserve. I'm wondering what Dean's role is in that. Yes, I'm adding a lot more to this than, than we even know or could happen. But the moment that we got those babyface feels... I mixed that with what you said last week, and I said, I am in. This is big business. This Lesnar-Rollins feud, uh, yeah, I, I'm almost to the point where I'm like, hey, women, maybe we should step back and put Lesnar-Rollins back in here if it has potential to be this good. Thank you. That's, that's all. Yeah, I, I mean, it could, it could also be the, either the mid-show main event or the you know third-to-last match type of situation, and it would still work fine. You have to remember, WrestleMania is so long that you can have those extended moments at any point, remember you had like John Cena proposing to Nikki. That took like an additional 10 minutes right in the middle of the show. And they just continued on. You know what I mean? That could have – they could have let that end the show. Not that it should have, but they could have. Uh, it was a big pop you know, pop culture moment. Um, I think it's more simple probably. I think it's just they're turning him face so that when Rollins wins the title and Reigns comes out, Ambrose can also come out. They do the Shield thing. They leave. Never If Dean is leaving, never see him again after that. That's the last moment. Could be. Could very Could very well be. Uh, that's interesting yeah. right there. Um, yeah. One more thing on the Vince conspiracy Charlotte-Becky angle. And somebody did send me a DM, but since I'm dead to DMs at this moment, I won't reward that person. They said, <laughs> look, is this a Vince sort of, uh, you know, everybody wants women in the main event. Trips and Steph wants it. But Vince still doesn't love the idea, so he comes out, pours water on Becky to calm her down, so then he can justify in the end that ultimately the women didn't deserve to be in the main event, and Brock and Seth will end up being there. No. Vince Vince isn't paying Ronda Rousey millions of dollars to throw water on her potentially main eventing WrestleMania. No, I'm not with that. Well, I'm not. Um, uh, by the way, I loved EC3 and TNA, and I was excited about him coming to NXT. I thought he got called up too quick, and I think Vince is Bobby rooting him already, where they're just making him a gimmick of of a nice body. And here's the here's the, the you know the secret that's not great is that EC3 is not a great wrestler by any means, and I don't think they're presenting him uh, in a situation to get the best out of his cocky persona. I think they're no, being, they're, he's not speaking. His greatest talent is speaking. Same with Bobby Roode. Heel promos. Not doing them. So I fears right now that we're getting Vincified. We're getting Bobby. He's getting Bobby Rooded. Yes. Basically right now. No question. The difference being Bobby Roode, they went all in on his theme and turned him face, and at least they pushed him. Whereas EC3 is, and I know they're not going full bore with these guys yet until, the, until after Mania and they pick brands and blah, blah, blah. But whereas with EC3, you're right. They're concentrating on his looks. And like Alexa Bliss fawning over him and not letting him do what he's best at, which is cutting promos and speaking. Every opportunity he's had to speak, they've cut him off. It's almost like they're doing it on purpose. What are you doing? Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense. Uh, Okay. Third part of the main event here. We are going to talk some AEW. Uh, They held their second press conference at the MGM Grand Pool ahead of this Double or Nothing show that is going down in May, I think it's May 25th. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I did not find much to be notable coming out of that 
events just because a lot of the potential signings had already been leaked and obviously we knew Kenny Omega was going to be with AEW. That wasn't a surprise, but you did see him with AEW for the first time at the end of that pool party and after Omega came out, made his announcement that he was with AEW as an executive vice president, by the way, Chris Jericho came out, they went face to face and they have scheduled Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho two in what I would consider to be the main event of Double or Nothing. So BC, is this enough for you to get you excited about Double or Nothing? You've seen this match already. You knew both guys were going to be with AEW. Is that getting the juices flowing for you? Yeah, the juices are flowing here. And I don't get why other people are just sort of like, yeah, they're pulling the Silver King with the meh. Yeah, here's the deal, guys. Seeing Kenny there in a suit, finding out that, yes, he has a major role with them. Sort of hearing whispers that he looks like he still can do NJPW as well. These are monster wins for all of us. It felt real. I think it gave AEW the backbone legitimacy. That first party announcement thing they did in Jacksonville was good. It showed you that they have a commitment to the future and fresh faces. By the way, good interview on the Jericho pod right now with Tony Khan of AEW. If you want to check that out, you really can get a feel for his fandom and how far back it goes. And once you hear the exuberance and excitement in his voice, it sort of gives you an image of what this could look like. But my point on this is... Omega was the backbone. It was the foundation. Once he, once now he's there, you're like, okay, this could be amazing. I love their commitment to the youth. So why do I pop for uh, Omega Jericho 2 when everybody else is DMing me and adding me on Twitter going, oh, man, womp, womp. Are you guys freaking kidding me? Um, you need something giant to anchor a show like Double or Nothing, right? You're gonna, there's gonna be a lot of fresh faces, and it seems like they're doing a Hangman Page, Pac slash Neville push for the title, which will be two guys that are a main part of their future. But look, the thing that made All In great was that they had a little bit for everybody. Like Jericho himself said on Jim Ross's podcast last week, Eric Bischoff gave him the big advice ahead of All In, saying, "Do a buffet, give everything the fans could want." How could you look at the idea of Omega Jericho 2 and not be excited when this from this standpoint? One, they've only had one match. Two, that one match was like four and a half to five stars. It was brilliant. It mixed the NJPW style with Jericho's old school WWE brilliance. It was great. Let's end that feud. Let's put a bonnet on it. Let's use their star power and names to really put an anchor match on this card. Would I have popped a little bit more for, I don't know, Omega versus some athletic, ridiculous wrestler? Maybe, but uh, this is why you have Chris Jericho. So it's not like we've seen this match five to seven times. It's not like a WWE situation where we've seen the same match 37 times. We've seen it once, guys, and it was great, and there was color in it, and there was spots. It was fantastic. These two feuding as we get closer on, on BTE, on whatever, on Jericho's channels and all that, it's going to be fun. It's going to be good. Um, I'm not like people are probably get me misidentified because they know I'm fired up for AEW and they think I only have AEW rose colored glasses and I can't see any f- harm and fall here. But I was gonna I was gonna ask you that later if you had anything negative to say. But, but look, go ahead. Look, yeah, we don't know. We don't know everything right now. We don't know they're, if they're gonna have a TV deal. There is no announcement of a weekly show yet. So all you can be excited about right now is double or nothing. But that's the pace that they're going at. So I'm not trying to tell you that this is WCW and they're gonna run a 83 week run on top of the ratings or anything like that. I'm saying, how can you not be excited by what we've seen? Their commitment to going young and being fresh and new is refreshing. 
they're going to have some old names sprinkled in. If somebody like Ambrose comes in, hell yeah, you have a pillar. You have a major star to build around. It's happening, folks. Not overnight, but it's happening. Get fired up. Thank you. I'm ready for a revolution. And Cody said it himself in that speech. and It was fantastic. And I wish I had the sound right now. But instead, you're going to have to deal with Conrad, who Adam now hates. Are you guys ready for a revolution? Yes, I am. Conrad. No, I don't know. I don't I don't now hate him. I just think you're a hypocrite when you're willing to play him because you're willing to play his audio, but you're not willing to play another podcaster's audio. And and it's just funny. Here's where you're coming from. Because he loves AEW. Oh, my God. Chat me up. Chat me up on AEW. You got misdirected hostilities. Here's what you're referencing. You wanted us to play. From from Dave Meltzer's podcast, which is behind a paywall, you want and this is to... like no no and then, by the way this was also like eighteen months ago. Okay, so you ahead. wanted us to yeah. play sound from Dave Meltzer's podcast, which is behind a paywall, and he's the dirt sheet guy. And yes, we all to a certain degree use his reporting because he's so close and all that. But you wanted to play that on our show, and I'm like, no. You was know? it Dave? Was it was it Dave's show? I thought it was. I thought it was like from. Uh, a Rosenberg thing or like one of Sam's things. I don't think it was a Meltzer thing. Uh, I, from my memory, it was on his show, but even if it was on Sam, that's fine. It, like, it was another, it, it was another podcast, but you just, you, you well, blasted. I'm no, not a giant we'll Meltzer guy. Like you bow down to the Meltzer throne. I, I respect his place. I don't bow down to the Meltzer throne. The guy reports things. I like to discuss them. Okay. That's usually fine. Right. I, I didn't mean, want to play his audio on this show. I, I just think it's fine. funny that you want to play Conrad on the show. Dude, this is from an AEW rally. Conrad is okay, an AEW talent. How do you not see that? Let's replace. Let's replace the the clip with Cody when you get a chance, okay? Uh, how do you so not see that? He's an to actually, AEW talent. To actually discuss, to actually discuss wrestling. I like how you're um, running away from the point. You just got hammered. Now you're going to run away from the I didn't get hammered. Point. I made my point. Your point was wrong. This is chat an AEW on, chat me up on your rally. Point, Go ahead. This was an AEW rally. It's Conrad. I'm not pulling from his podcast. And, but what like, relevance does he have? Uh, like – Brandy is actually a talent. It's someone who's worth ha- talking about on the show, worth making fun of. Why, why do we? Why do we have to do that? We we're, we're already talking about this for too long. Because you're making this about Conrad when it's about the revolution. Okay, when you start having Kayla Braxton clips on the show, let me know. Wow, wow. We, we you know what? This should be the last episode. I'm got, I'm gonna get the red <laughs> and black ready. I'm gonna get it going. Okay. We're gonna rebrand. All right. Well, so I'll respond to your stuff about the actual wrestlers here that we're trying to talk about. Um. I actually agree with you. I don't necessarily mind that we're getting Omega Jericho too. It's just that they're not in a situation as a company right now where they're really building strong storylines, right? They're, they do have being the elite and they do have a couple of these events that are happening, but I would much rather have a Jericho Omega two match because like you said, we don't want it seven times. You want it two, three, four times ever, right? I don't necessarily want the second one to just be a match that they throw on their first card because, hey, we know you want to watch this match. I would like more storyline development for that, and I do trust that they will either have a TV show or something else where they have the opportunity to develop storylines where we're then going to get that. There was a great storyline heading into Alpha Omega in NJPW. This is just, hey, these are two guys who fought before. They're the two biggest names in our company. So they're going to fight on our first show. So that's my only negative with it. It's not that I don't like it. It's not that I think it's the wrong move necessarily. I just find there to be a better storyline with Hangman Page and Neville with Pac that to me that would be the main event of the show. That's two younger guys that you're building up, that you're trying to put a lot of oomph behind. And I feel like this match kind of overshadows that because it's the two bigger names. 
So it, I don't necessarily know that I would have booked it that way. But look, they want people to pay for this event, both in person and they want people to order it and find out what AEW is. And it's really tough to make an argument that Kenny Omega, Chris Jericho being the main event of your show is not going to put more butts in seats and get more eyes on your TV than Adam Hangman Page and Pac. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, we so that, why, that we would be my take doing it. Um, yeah, look, I'm fired. I'm fired up. I'm fired up. They what have a think? lot to, to answer, though. They have a lot of questions to answer, but they will, uh, in theory, when they. What did you think up. about the? What did, what did you think about the? You've seen two of them now. The two press conferences. What do you think about them from a production value standpoint? From an entertainment standpoint? Um, personally, I thought the first one was fine. The second one was a carbon copy, formulaic. Um, what do you think of them miking the fans and these ridiculous chants? The the Again, this isn't a criticism, but relatively low number of people attending these things, that doesn't mean there's not interest. There is. I'm just saying the, at the actual events. What, how do you think of the, what do you think of the presentation so far? Um, look, I mean, I, I wasn't in love with the second one in terms of everything, all the criticisms you sort of just teased at. It, it, it didn't overwhelm me. It didn't, you know, get me so damn fired up. And I think that's because, like, we're ready for the next step now. The problem is the next step isn't going to be every day. It's not going to be tomorrow we find out the TV deal. The next day they launch the TV show. The next day they do that. Like, this is sort of gray, uncharted territory for these guys. But they're doing pretty damn great already. Uh, no, I didn't love the second one. I think they are announcing the, the talent acquisitions that are getting me excited. I, I like the, the feel and theme of what they're doing production-wise. I'm not that worried about it because here's the thing. I'm not in it for their production value. What did ECW teach us? during it? You know what I mean? The ECW teach us, taught us that this can be so raw but if it's about the product, and I know ECW was a little bit different because they were promoting insane violence and, and death-defying athleticism. It was, all, it was also 23 years ago. True. But, but if you listen to that Tony Khan interview, this guy was an ECW mark as a teen living the life. So that spirit of doing something different, I do sort of feel that in what they presented so far, where it's not so much about the production. Because if they're going to succeed, it's going to be that it's about the storyline and that it's about letting their talent be creative and be and just basically say all the things we don't like about WWE, they're going to do that a little bit differently if it works. So I'm more interested in seeing that. I'm more interested in seeing what their weekly TV show looks like. I'm more interested in seeing if all or nothing uh, two double double or nothing, whatever, all in two, sorry, double or nothing can take what we liked about all in, what we loved about it and take it to another level, not just be a warning track power version good of it. Like, you know, I think it'll be a disappointment if we watch that second show and we go, Okay, I mean, it was good, but, you know, if this is the best of what they can offer, I think they have pressure on them now that they're a league, not that they're a promotion, to make this second show just entertain the balls out of you. And they're going to have big surprises and all that. I I agree with that. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I am of the opinion, and we have, listen, we have 11 weeks, I think, or maybe even more, right, to go. We, I think more. Um, We have a long time until Double or Nothing. But... All in, and I've maintained this for a long time, it had a year of promotion. It had the Dave Meltzer bet. It had them proving everyone wrong that as independent individuals, not just independent wrestlers, that they could do something like that at a venue like that. The luster of it isn't there for me when it's a promotion, when you have a billionaire behind it. Um, When your card, by nature of not having the NJPW relationship, doesn't have a lot of the names, you know, that that event did. Um, 
when you have the Lucha Bros on your roster, at least through some partnership or a handshake deal or whatever the case, but it's a tag team match with the Young Bucks. And, you know, not Pentagon versus Kenny Omega, one-on-one. That's going to juice me up. When you don't have the NWA title on the line in a match where you know Cody's going to go over and fulfill his destiny, his, his familial destiny. So my expectation of this show is not all in. It's half of all in. It's a really good wrestling show because I don't know that they can do better than that. Now, look, we talked about all in. We talked immediately after. It exceeded my expectations. They crushed that show. If they are able to provide quarterly shows, the quality of all in, this will work. But the way the card is being built so far, the way these two press conferences have gone down, the roster that they have, I'm not saying it's a bad roster. I'm simply saying it's not doing much to get me excited the same way the lead up to all in did. Well, that's fair. And I think they're going to, and I just kind of mentioned it, they're going to win or lose early on and that's why i'm putting so much pressure on this second all in by the quality of that show and i don't think it's going to be about as much making you oh my god i can't wait to see it because of these three four matches i think it's going to be more about i can't wait to see how much it can impress me then you watch it and then it's going to be these talent that you know even you and i don't know a ton about some of these guys and then they're potentially going to win us over look i'm going to be as honest as everybody coming out of that show if it's not as good as all in one and better i think it's going to be a letdown i think it's going to be a little bit of like okay where are we really going here so the pressure is on them but i think they have the horses to do it and it's all going to be for me about the feel and presentation not from a uh, standpoint of fireworks and camera angles, but from about what that feels like. If it feels real and raw and funny and all that, let's get some nostalgic pops. They have a chance to really kick off whatever their TV deal is going to be with a bang with this show. They have the right brains and, and backstage people. I'm confident in Tony Khan after hearing that interview. I'm ready for it. They can let me down, but I'm ready for it. Let's see it. There's not much else we can do until that show happens. So, yes, they, they there's things they could do ahead of that build to get us more or less excited. But to me, it's about that show. They're going. That's why it's called All In. They're, they're putting their future, their promotion on the line with how well this show pops and grabs you and makes you want to be part of this revolution. I'm not telling you it's great before it happens. Let's wait and see. Adam, I want to say one thing here. People have non-negotiables in their life, and that's fine. You have a non-negotiable about, hey, bro. If I'm doing Monday Night Football, do not at me with spoilers. And I know you take that too far and you think journalists should responsibly refrain from doing any spoilers to protect people like you. I think that's ridiculous, but I get the spirit of what you're saying. I have a non-negotiable during WrestleMania season. I don't want the rags. I don't want Meltzer. I don't want all these guys spoiling for me the great surprises the reveals, the who's running in the ring. I want to be the guy with you saying, is this the time for Reigns? I don't want to be finding out from Meltzer that reports our Reigns will be back. So on this show, moving forward, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to say it. I don't want to speak it. I want a fantasy book like a fan. Don't ruin my fun. Well, we did that last year, too. I'm well, with I'm, you on I'm that. I totally agree. I'm just re, re, re- road, road, road to WrestleMania is spoiler free. Um it's the time where we can be a fan, where we can go and enjoy the moment. And I don't want that ruined by, you know, oh, well, Roman's going to win the title in the main event this year. And like, look, and that's part of why I'm not a giant Meltzer guy. It's not personal. It's that I don't love the idea of dirt sheets. I don't. I get that there's a side of wrestling 
in journalism where news is a factor, hirings, firings, all that stuff. I don't like the spoiler part. You know what I am? I'm a giant mark for Star Wars movies. You know what I'd never, ever, ever do? Go on the internet ahead of a Star Wars movie and read all these fan theories slash rumors. So you're not slash... a fan of dirt sheets. And we, I don't want to discuss this for an hour. But you're not a fan of dirt sheets. But you want to, last week on the show, talk about BS AEW signing WWE guy rumors coming from not even dirt sheets, but places that are worse than dirt sheets. To have a pod, and this is why I give in and read some of the stuff, to have a podcast that's people come to to learn things, we obviously have our ear out to the dirt sheets. I'm saying I don't love doing that. I don't love spoiling my own entertainment value. But what okay. you're specifically referencing is a hiring and uh, uh, somebody potentially leaving. That's not like, hey, I heard Meltzer said Randy Orton's going to show up at Double or Nothing. That's, hey, there's a rumor out there that maybe Orton is the next guy to jump. That's all I was saying. Let's get excited and optimistic and talk about it. But King of Silver's like, we cannot talk about this because it I just think there's a it. that's a thin, thin line that you're that you're trying to parse there. That's all I'm saying. And we don't need to go on in on it again. I'm just saying. I hey, think that's if the people keep very interesting. In you, uh, the state of Silver King is coming your way, folks. It's coming. All right. Look, the Pete. Listen, all I'm saying is, the people heard the episode last week. They knew who was right, just like they knew Dirty Bedsheet SummerSlam. They knew who was on the right side of history. There, they knew who had the right opinion, and they sided with the Silver King. I just want to remind Again, you, Silver King. I'm just as surprised as you are, BC. People that are trailblazers, people that um, stand up, they're in the minority when they do it for a reason because they have the courage to go against the grain and, and right. Speak You're out courageous. Them. That's all right. right. <laughs> All right, I have a wrestling dream, and I'm ready to share it with you. Thank you. Let's move on. The boy, the boyhood dream. Yes, the boyhood dream. All right, we have elimination chamber coming up, and again, I mentioned it earlier. Well, I think this card blows. There are some interesting little tidbits for us to talk about as we work our way down this card. Obviously, we did not discuss SmackDown from Tuesday night. There's a lot of stuff from SmackDown that we're going to talk about here, BC. So let's go through this preview. Uh, I'll go match by match. You tell me if anything interests you, what you think is going to happen. And we'll go from there. First match on the card, Buddy Murphy defending his Cruiserweight Championship against Akira Tozawa. It just seems to me like they are now doing the Cedric Alexander storyline with Buddy Murphy, which is let's go through everyone else in the division, beat them all, and then eventually lose the title. I don't see him losing to Akira Tozawa. Do you? No, not at all, because we all know what Buddy Murphy is. The moment we saw him, we thought, sex. Yes, thank you. Needs- I like that Sasha. I like that Sasha gets to be on yes, the show. Yes, Sasha. Week By the way, my wife's so mad when she founds out when she found out that I tricked her into naming uh, the dog after Sasha Banks. Such such brilliant heel manager work inside my own house by me getting the kids on board because you know what I purposely did? I gave them four options for a name. I, they said, can we get this puppy? I said, only if I have a major part in naming the puppy. They said, that's fine. Give us a list. We'll pick the names that, that I want best. You know what my list included? It was like uh, Asuka. It was like, uh, you know, it was completely over-the-top wrestling names, and the most normal one was the one I wanted, Sasha. Thank you. But you don't call her Sa- Sasha Barks. I call her Sasha which is Yeah. Which is the, a dog name. That's funny. You know, it's a, it, you just call her Sasha. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I don't, I don't like that. Um, but yeah, so Murphy retains. Um, it's going to be a great match because Tazawa's great. I, look, 205 Live. Um, here's the thing. The matches are still great. It's still improved from what it was when I used to pan it and I used to tell WWE to cancel it, but it is in a lull right now that I don't know how it's going to get out of it. It's just good wrestling and not much else. 
And I, I don't know how do they fix it. I, I think it's all outlived its usefulness. I'm going to be really honest. And that's somebody who loves the show. I just don't have the time to watch it. And they haven't done enough lately to force it into my into my time block that I'd almost rather these guys get split into NXT and into the main roster. And I mean, they're kind of doing that with the Lucha House Party, getting a getting a fairly large raw push, meaning that they're there every week. But Leo um, Rush also. But, it, you know, again, BC always brings everything back to AEW. Is it just more valuable for WWE to have another division where they can keep talent away from the competitor? That's an interesting thought. I mean, you could have these guys and still do this show but have matches that matter on the two main rosters as as well. I just don't know what to do. It, it Maybe it's a situation where you folded it. If, if NXT does wind up on FS1 one day, maybe you do make it a two-hour show and you fold it into NXT. By the way, and you start paying that, those guys like main roster performers. Funny that you and I have a, a fairly uh, good discussion on that last week. Then like the next day, weren't reports coming out that, that that's a possibility? Isn't that interesting? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, the report, the, what the report was that came out was that, just to clarify for everyone, SmackDown will be live on Fridays, which is good news, um, and it may not permanently be on Fridays. So I don't know what the hell that means. Well, that's also potentially uh, good news because that's not a great a bit, night. It's not a great night, but I mean, it's better, certainly better than a Thursday or a Wednesday. Um, but yeah, that's not a, it's not necessarily bad news. Uh, and then the third part of the report is that there will be additional, not could be, will be additional WWE programming on Fox Sports 1. They didn't say what that is. There's been long rumors that it's going to be like a show. What's the old UFC show that used to yeah, be on there? UFC Tonight Studio Show. Once they had, That was weekly, I believe. Okay. So maybe it's that, or it could potentially be NXT, which would be interesting. But I maintain NXT is not leaving the network. It is a huge reason people buy the network, and moving it off of there would not be smart. But we will see. Next match on this card is the worst match on this card. Braun Strowman against Baron Corbin. Why are we getting this again? Oh, God. And, uh, you know, I've had some DMers this week, and they were right. And, again, they'll go unnamed, by the way, saying um, Silver King may have been right. They've ruined Braun. Seeing him this week in a six-man worthless tag team match, raising Kurt Angle and Finn Balor's arms like like dweebs, like – Yes, this this just makes me not care about Braun Strowman. Just like that, uh, that twenty five minutes they dedicated to this worthless sort of, you know, everybody's in it again, and we're all brawling. It, but you know what that was? That was a house show match, and again, it popped the crowd because there's something that happens in house shows. They, they house shows are old school, right? The matches are the old school build to the hot tag, and it's fun. And when you're at Raw, you actually enjoy the in-ring stuff more than you enjoy the backstage stuff. But when I'm sitting at home, I want storylines and backstage stuff. Four hot minutes. Move on. That sh- that match on Raw, which I want to talk about way more than this, which Strowman should win and just end this, please, finally. You knew immediately it was going to be a six-man tag. You didn't need anyone else to come out to the ring. You knew it was going to be a six-man tag. And it was just brutal because you knew who was going to be in it, you knew who would win the match, and you knew what would happen. They not maybe have ruined Braun Strowman. They have ruined Braun Strowman completely. I don't want to see him. You, you want someone to go to AEW, Braun, go to AEW, get off my TV. I just don't care. He's not good enough in the ring. He's not good enough on the mic, and they don't have any story for him because they refuse to give him a title. Wow. So instead, we just have this continuous story with Baron Corbin. Brian, 
it was like WWE pulled a script out of September 2018 and dropped it on us Monday night when I saw this match. It, this is this is exactly what they said they were going to get away from. Yes. And they just fed it to us for three commercial breaks. It was such a well, piece of crap. It's worse than that. It, it, it came off of a match. It came off of a match that you knew was going to end with interference. It ends right. with interference. Everyone's running in to save each other. You knew the six-man tag was coming. Then they get like three segments. It's, yeah. The only saving grace was, you are correct. The fans there liked it. They popped. They got a really good reaction from the crowd. But me at home, watching for 25 minutes between three commercial breaks, is just and sick, by the way, still getting over my illness, I was just like, get this crap off my TV. Yeah, and that's because Raw plays to the Raw books to the crowd, which you shouldn't do on a television show, and SmackDown doesn't. SmackDown, great this week. Thank you. And we're going to talk about that next with Miz and Shane McMahon defending their SmackDown tag team titles against the Usos. We got a Ms. Mac TV segment this week with pr- strong promos from the Usos and the new tag team champions. BC, like, this is a weird booking still for me, but I'm I'm excited for the match. It's probably one of the better storylines on the entire card, and that segment on SmackDown was great. Let me be honest with you. Oh, man, I'm fired up for this. This thing is overachieving at obscene levels. I am so in on this Miz and Shane thing. It has, it has made Shane so damn cool and interesting. And, like, Usos, you're right. They were amazing in this. But Shane playing a tough guy role, it really worked. It just, it was just fun. It's, this whole interaction is fun. The reference to the Usos dad, then the, the, the joke about Mandy Rose, that sort of jab that they came back with was perfect. This, that segment is, I say this all the time. That's nineties booking. That's everything I want Raw or SmackDown to be. Uh, you know, talk, crack insults at each other. Build up the storyline so that when you have the match, it's fresh and new. Don't have that match every week with DQ finishes leading to some pay-per-view match. Perfect. This is Or one tag team partner fighting the other tag team partner and then switching the next week. I think that Miz and Shane somehow defend these. I don't think that we're done with this because it's working so well. I agree. Um, I don't necessarily know what the end is for the team. And I don't know what the WrestleMania match is, which is where you think we would be going. Um, but it's going to say a lot, the result of this match, because if the Usos win, then they may just be saying, Hey, look, we're going to do Usos new day at mania for the SmackDown titles. It's going to be a great match. We're going to give it to you and that's it. Or maybe a triple threat with the bar or something really cool. Or there, these guys are going to go into mania and there's some type of storyline baked in. And I just don't know what it is. I mean, I don't have, I don't have a way to connect this to make it make sense, but I do want to offer it. Uh, nominee for field spot moment of the week for me, Kevin Owens bowling alley promo. That was good. Like, great. Like with his kids in the background, it's different. It's great. By the way, you know, it was also different. I'll give SmackDown credit for this. The interviews they did with each of the women's tag team members who are in this elimination chamber match and the weird camera angles where they're zooming in on their face. uh, Liv Morgan basically saying that she'd like die for, uh, for her, for Sarah, Sarah Logan. Logan and Nia cutting off Tamina every time she would speak in this weird, awkward way. It was fresh and new. The Kevin Owens thing felt fresh and new and different. Are Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn going to come back before Mania? And are they going to be part of this Miss Shane feud? I don't know. You know what? That's a good point. I, I don't know that either. Apparently, Luke Harper is ready to go. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are both healthy and ready to go. There's a lot of 
talent that they can inject into this roster without calling more people up for Raw and SmackDown and really make it somewhat fresh uh, after WrestleMania or even leading into WrestleMania. Look, like you forgot when we were talking, there's another pay-per-view before Mania. <laughs> I had right? no idea there, about that. Fastlane, right? So there, there's space for things to happen. I just don't exactly know what it's going to be. They may have these guys come back during the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. We still have Bray Wyatt out there. We still have Matt Hardy out there. All these guys, healthy, ready to come back. What are they going to do? I don't know. I am excited, though, to find out. There's one other guy that, is that, that also is out there. That's got to be, that's gotta be <laughs> Kane! I mean, uh, uh, we'll see how busy he is in the mayor. If we see Kane, by the way, again, like ever, <laughs> I'm out. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, well, something that really almost had me out of Elimination Chamber as a whole, this Intercontinental title match, Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush against Finn Balor in a handicap match. This is bad booking. I understand why they're doing it, okay? It allows Balor to lose and then to have the match again, maybe at Mania, where he finally beats Lashley for the title. But if you're looking for ways to do that and to elongate a storyline eight weeks, Maybe just don't start it yet. There's no reason they had to go immediately from Lesnar to Lashley. Balor could have gotten a couple big wins over legitimate guys on Raw over a period of weeks. Lashley could have been in a rivalry with someone else. And then Balor challenges Lashley and says, I want the title match at WrestleMania. You have a four-week build, and you're good to go. I I don't know why they're doing this. It's stupid. And why someone like Bobby Lashley who is going out there and saying he's better than Brock Lesnar would need a handicap match with a partner to defend his title. Doesn't make any sense. This is a failure. He'll retain the title. Get me out of here. Yeah. Four minutes. You just nailed it all. No need to repeat. By the way, out of names you mentioned that seem ready to come back that aren't in, it didn't happen this week, but it happened the previous two. I am so in on these Mojo promos in front of the mirror. I'm just loving the the sort of like hints at the twisted nature of where his character might be right now. Bring this to me. And there's also I teased this earlier, but there's the stuff with um with uh, Zach Ryder and Kurt Hawkins of them lo- you know Hawkins losing and Ryder retagging with him as the former uh, I forgot their name, but they were a tag team uh, back in the major, day. That... They had the the Major Brothers. They had, uh, they had yes, a couple of names. correct Edgeheads. They were Edgeheads. Yes. Um, all that type of stuff. So. I ultimately think the Silver King prediction is they beat the Revival for the titles at WrestleMania. Zack Ryder and Kurt Hall. Oh, to end the losing streak? Interesting. Um, I end to- the losing streak. It's a good way to you know do that with the Revival. Revival then win them back on Raw, just like when Ryder won the ladder match at WrestleMania and then lost the title the next night. I think it's easy. I want to give them a, a pop here, a cheap pop here. Um, so just full disclosure, Zack Ryder is my favorite WWE superstar as a fan. I know that's weird. I know he hasn't been relevant for a long time. Wait, not Tyler not Tyler Breeze? No, Breeze is in my top five. Believe me on that. But Zack Ryder's my guy. It's just my guy. I, I don't know. I, I find these middle-of-the-road guys, and I just cheer for them. That's why the moments feel so good when he wins that ladder match at WrestleMania 32. But he has a podcast with Hawkins. It's an action figure podcast. I forgot the name of it. Um I, I like it. They have a good shtick and a good rapport. And I'm not a big uh, action figure collector, but I obviously uh, had these a lot of these in the 80s and the 90s, so I, uh, it's cool. They had Dean Ambrose on this week, and Dean didn't mention, by the way, you know, obviously anything about AEW. But it was a, it was a very interesting obviously. look at Dean Ambrose, the real man who we all know is a little bit weird. And one thing he did focus on 
was how much he's not in this for the money, and it's all about the creativity and the artistry for him. So, hmm, interesting. There you go. Thank you. So it's all about AEW in the end. Thank you. Roll on. My God. Uh, We have the Women's Tag Team Championship Elimination Chamber match for the first ever Women's Tag Team Championships, which are not actually the first ever because... WW had them before, and four people won them, but did they? Never. I'm going to be really honest with you. I had no idea. Was there really in the 80s? Things? Yeah, in the 80s there were four title reigns, and then they in just the 80s? stopped them. Really? Yeah. I have, yeah, no, no, I have zero memory of this. Yeah, they've had them, uh, but they don't care. Apparently, these are the first ever. Uh, the titles look slightly strange, but I'll let that go. This is the match: Boston Hug Connection, Nia Jax and Tamina, the Riot Squad, uh, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, the Iconics. Naomi and Carmella. Now I'm going to go first here, BC. Uh, simple as this. I, I believe a heel team will win. I believe they'll be from Raw, and I believe, obviously, it will not be the Boss and Hug connection. The key for me, whether the storyline they're running with Sasha Banks and the injury is to set something up for this match, or just to keep Sasha out of matches recently because she hasn't been cleared. Either way, I don't think you gain much by them winning, becoming the first team to win the titles the moment is them winning the titles at wrestlemania so for me there's way more women on raw there's three hours of tv even though it looks like these are going to be interbrand um titles they're going to go back and forth between raw and smackdown it makes the most sense for me for a raw team to win them promote that over seven weeks and have the boston hug connection as the number one contenders get a wrestlemania moment and finally pay off the sasha banks and bailey storyline that we've been looking at for 18 months. So for me, I'm going to go actually with Nia Jackson and Tamina, but I would totally accept the Riot Squad winning. And if you wanted to pick a team from SmackDown, I would totally accept the Iconics winning as well. Uh, you, you just nailed it. You absolutely nailed my full thoughts on it, except for I think it's going to be the Riot Squad. And my only fear in saying that, or not fear, or trepidation, is that there's a, there is a historic element to it, and I don't think the Riot Squad are going are to end up being a historic tag team. But I just feel like... They're they're clicking. They're working right now. And and after Ruby loses to Ronda and add her back into the mix, you can do a free bird rule here where obviously where any of the two can defend uh, of the three at any point. Um, this is a setup to get the Boston Hug over at Mania. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Nia and Tamina probably would make more sense right now, but I think the Boston Hug would have a better Mania match with, with a team like the Riot Squad. And I'm going to give the Riot Squad credit. I love those promos, as I mentioned this week. I think overall, they're, they're doing they're doing pretty well. They're overachieving. On a week-to-week basis, I'm in on that. I'm wrong. I'm wrong about very few things, but me thinking that Absolution would be way better long-term than the Riot Squad is one of those things I was wrong about. A lot of that has to do with Paige obviously getting injured and then having to dissolve it. But Riot Squad, despite, despite the fact that some of those backstage segments are god-awful, like they haven't done them in a while where they just like took Cheetos and threw them against the wall and they were causing havoc. And it was like, okay, so what? You're making a mess. Who cares, right? You're not really badass women, right? Um, aside from the cheesiness factor, as a team, they actually work and Ruby's a good leader. And even though they lose and they're mostly jobbers, it, it does work all together. I love the idea of them freebirding the titles. Although I don't know if you want your first champions to be freebirding titles, but what you mentioned, the historical aspect of it, I think you have the Samoan dynasty, you know, the Samoan slaughterhouse is what they're calling this. Elimination. Are they? That's a great name. I love that. Uh, they didn't say that was their team name. They said Elimination Chamber will be a Samoan slaughterhouse. Oh, uh, well, that would be a good name if they chose that. But I think having Superfly's daughter, you know, certainly, and then 
obviously Naya, which has, who has many of the connections. Um, I think they're just the right team. They're dominant. They're big. It makes sense that you wouldn't be able to eliminate them. It works for me in that way. But either way, I think we're on the same page with Boston Hug, win them at WrestleMania. Huge moment, especially if they then get to congratulate Becky at the end of the show. And you have this huge moment with the four horsewomen. Even with if it is a triple threat, Charlotte joins in on the celebration and you close WrestleMania with fireworks and those four in the ring and you're talking about the women's revolution. That's awesome. And a really cool, you know, final picture, which matters to WWE. Would you risk okay. it all for Liv Morgan? Would I what? Oh, maybe that's a question better posed on our late night Patreon broadcast. What was the question though? Would you risk it all for Liv Morgan? No. She's a very beautiful woman. Let's roll on. All right. Okay. Uh, Raw Women's Championship, Ronda Rousey against the aforementioned Ruby Riot. Look, there is a scenario, you know, in which they do something with Rousey dropping the title. I just don't see any way that they do it. Uh, this is not the culmination. Actually, did she fight Bailey in a title match, Rousey? Yes, on Raw. Okay, so I don't think she's defended the title against Sarah Logan or Liv Morgan, even though she's fought them. But I think this match is the culmination of her facing every woman in a singles match on Raw, um, leading into, obviously, the two SmackDown women or one at WrestleMania. I think it's nothing more than that. Ruby's great in the ring. I think it'll be a good match. What about you? Yeah, I think it will. I'm, I'm interested in seeing, because Rousey had such an incredible run of matches, whether that combination of Rousey and Riot kind of being underrated, if Riot can lift up to the very elite level for this match, like can they make a match as good as we've seen Rousey against everybody else? I'm going to give Ruby Riot that chance to impress me because I do think she's really good. I'm, I'm, I'm in a sleeper way. I'm kind of looking forward to this. I am too. Um, you don't watch Total Bellas, correct? That is, that is correct. Yes, that is okay. very correct. So on Sunday's show, they did something where Nikki went to Ronda Rousey's house uh, in California to you train ahead Rousey of... Rousey Acres? Their, is that what you're talking about? Uh, is that what it's called? Yes. Okay. Yes. Oh, come on, you're Ronda Rousey at, super fan. Rousey Acres, come on. They got animals. No, I, d- I didn't know a name or anything like that. But they have, yes, they have acres of land. Uh, and they have animals running around and all this crazy stuff, right? What I did not know, they opened up a barn door when Nikki was there to reveal a full-size WWE ring on her property. I knew she was training with Kendrick in California. I did not know it was at her Acres Ranch, whatever you want to call it, in a ring that WWE apparently gave her to train in. You want to talk, like, people talking about Hey, maybe she's not going to do this long term. Bull, she has a ring at her house. She's in. I mean, that that's impressive that WWE gave her a ring and that she's been using it. It would be nice if they also gave her a uh, microphone on Browsy Acres. And, uh, hey, oh, um, hey, you're Ronda Rousey super fan. Did you see her on Kevin Hart's YouTube show, Cold as Balls? No. It's a very fun episode. Cold as Balls is a – by the way, that show does like five to seven million hits per episode on YouTube. They sit in an ice bath. And they get deeper in there and more ice is added and they interview each other. There's a Floyd Mayweather episode. And believe me, Floyd Mayweather, one of more of the unlikable superstars ever, purposely very funny episode. Check that out as well. Wow, I'm just giving people a shout out on a podcast on our show. 
you know, probably because this show's ending and we're break, going in our separate directions. But um, yeah, hey, that sounds that sounds like a fun show though. I didn't even know that existed. Oh yeah, check that out. Also, uh, you know what the best wrestling podcast besides State of Combat is out there? The Lapsed Fan. People that are lapsed know that, and they watch. And they, I know you don't listen to podcasts, Adam, but they do the best deep dives historically ever. Right now, they're going through a world class Von Erich series, the lamentable tragedy. Unreal. You're going to need about 35 hours to get through it. But wow, thank you. Uh, you, yes. know, you know what the first wrestling podcast I ever heard was? This one. In this corner, episode one with Brian Campbell and Adam Silverstein. Unreal, unreal. missed the boat. You, you know, between that and Jericho going to NJPW. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The first, sorry, I'm correcting. First podcast I ever listened to was your final episode of Cheap Heat yes. when I learned that when I learned that we had hired Brian Campbell. The second episode of a podcast I ever listened to was in this corner, episode one. All right, that was it. That's probably why um, Conrad. All right, let's go. Let's roll. <laughs> All right, final match here, which. Better be the main event of Elimination Chamber. The WWE champ. Hey, we might get the WWE Championship main eventing a pay per view. Holy cow! Daniel Bryan defending against AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, Randy Orton, Jeff Hardy, and Kofi Kingston in the chamber. And before we talk about this match, Bryan, we need to talk about the Gauntlet match Tuesday night on SmackDown, where our guy Kofi Kingston your guy, your guy. put on my not your guy. You're a Kofi Kingston super fan. I've been the one telling you for years. I like Kofi, not a main eventer, but you love my guy, my guy, Kofi Kingston, who should have been WWE champion in 2009. My guy, Kofi Kingston, 10 years later, basically um, put on a damn clinic in that ring. I mean, only bested by Seth Rollins earlier this year in his gauntlet match. And you could make an argument in many ways it was just as good. Um, holy cow, BC pinned Daniel Bryan, one, two, three, in the middle of the ring to open it. Went on to beat basically everyone until tapping out to AJ Styles' calf crusher. And then obviously Randy Orton hit the RKO in five seconds. Tend that match, which, which was a good piece of booking in my opinion. What did you think? of what Kofi Kingston brought Tuesday night. After reading your tweets, uh, after the fact, I think we were, we were on the same page when this originally happened. I'm like, Big E, yes, finally getting the solo push. He deserves, he's ready for. Uh, look, they gave it to Kofi, and how can you say anything negative? It was fun. It was one of those uh, underdog runs that he went on. And I like that he actually didn't run the table, that he got really far. The interactions with AJ Styles were fantastic, where he was sort of yes. like AJ trying to have co- uh, compassion for him and, and uh, Kofi just not feeling that. It was really fun. It's really fun that he's in this match, but he cannot win. Come on. Not a main eventer. I'm sorry. Really fun guy, but there's two bigger stars in the New Day long-term solo. That two I... bigger stars? No. There's yeah. one. Yeah, two bigger stars long-term. Long-term. Long-term here. Kofi has had a great career. Great career. Okay? He's already hit his ceiling, though, in my eyes. So um, the, we're getting nostalgic fun here. We're getting people like you who are Kofi super fans, and that's perfectly fine. Again, I'm the biggest uh, Zack Ryder, Tyler Breeze fan. I get it. But uh, Oh, there is no comparison. You, you, I mean, that's insulting. Kofi in that Randy Orton feud back in the day. He should have won that feud, and he should have gone on to win the WWE title eventually. We all okay? have our mid-carters that we love, Adam. Yeah. I mean, Co- listen, Kofi's been kept down for a long time, and we, you know— I have opinions on that and, and WWE in general. You know this. Um, but Kofi is someone who should have snuck through the cracks and, and done something special. This is what I can tell you. You saw the crowd reaction to that. You've seen crowd reactions to Kofi Kingston every time he's in a major match. Every TLC match. Every uh, Money in the Bank match. Whenever he is given an opportunity to be featured along with the other top mid-carders 
or low main eventers in WWE. He shines. The crowd loves him. They were going nuts for him. He was the number one trending topic on Twitter last night. Really? People were talking about Kofi Kingston uh, across the media waves. Is that what the quote is? Media waves? He disrespected me and my family through the media waves, you know? Yes. Yeah, Kofi was a popular name last night, and I'm going to tell you why. Now, he should not win the title at Elimination Chamber, don't get me wrong. But he should win the title at WrestleMania. Because if you want the to w, see... This uh, is the same the IC belt, Adam. WWE If you want to see a crowd lose its shit, putting Kofi Kingston over Daniel Bryan in a WWE championship match at WrestleMania would blow the roof that I guess doesn't exist off of MetLife Stadium. People would lose their minds, Brian. There are few wrestlers truly as beloved in WWE as Kofi Kingston. And you could put a program together with the New Day, which, which is all about consumption and, and carbs and pancakes and, and selling gear and doing all that stuff against anti-consumption Daniel Bryan with Eric Rowan. You can bring Harper back. You can do a couple six-man tags. You could put together a tremendous storyline leading into Mania and putting Kofi over Daniel Bryan on that show. People would lose their minds. It would be incredible. It won't happen. All right. You you almost won me over with the consumption and the merchandise angle, which is brilliant. The problem is, are you setting up to, for Kofi to win this and enter yes. Mania as champion? That doesn't No, work. no, 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 no. Brian wins this. Okay. Brian wins the Elimination Chamber. Kofi pinned the WWE champion, one, two, three, to open the gauntlet. So you have him win the number one contendership either by beating Brian again, one, two, three, or by winning another gauntlet match or another something that sets up a number one contendership. And you have the storyline where he's already pinned the champion. You have the three versus two. Maybe, again, maybe you had Wyatt. Maybe you had Harper. You had someone else that's stable. You have six-man tag matches over the next eight weeks. And then you have Kofi win the title at WrestleMania. It will not happen. It's interesting. But if the Silver you, King was booking. You would, would overcome happen. Kofi's lack of individual star power, from my point of view, to be in a WWE championship match by having the full New Day be a part of this. That would be interesting because as a unit, obviously, they're insanely over. I just still think it's the wrong guy. And I get why Kofi would would get so many nostalgic feels, some underdog feels, but man, do the same thing with Big E, and I'm a million percent in, because yes, it's time for an African-American guy to win the big da- the big belt at the big dance. Like, please, it's title. time. Yeah. Belts, uh, Stephanie says belts, so I, look, I'm a title. I, I got back. I got back. You know, you know who had a zero star power and was in a heavyweight championship match at WrestleMania? Jack Swagger. Yeah, but that's that, they didn't care about that title because that was an NWA title. They don't care. Or WCW title. They don't Just care. saying. That was a crap, okay? Yeah. That Seamus-Daniel Bryan match that ended in 60 seconds with a, with a brogue kick? Yeah, but that, that was, was crap. early in the card. This one could potentially be the mid-card main event at Mania, and Bryan Styles is the match. There's but no way there's they're no going back to that. There's no hook, though. That's the thing. There's, there's no way they're going back to that. Uh, you know, there's too, there's, you've seen too much of that. Yeah. You have Joe, who's a heel. You have, Jeff, you have Randy Orton, who's a heel. You have Jeff Hardy, who's a face, but... Who, who really wants to see that? The only other match that you might get with Brian is Rey Mysterio, which would be interesting and a damn good match. But if you're not going to get that, give me Kofi and New Day. The thing is, Rey Mysterio doesn't have the 
charisma for a Mania WWE Championship feud. And the problem is the people that do are all heels, so you can't put them opposite Brian, you know, like a Samoa Joe, like a Randy Orton that you mentioned. Uh, it, it's, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued right now on what they're doing here. And hopefully we'll find out on Sunday. And let's not forget, last year's men's Elimination Chamber match was like a 4.75 star match. It was fantastic. The year before match when Bray Wyatt won it was borderline five stars. That like this is we've had a run here of incredible matches with this setup. So uh, I have big expectations for this main event. I mean, look on the main roster, these are six of the best wrestlers. Period. They just are. Um, that's why that gauntlet was so good. You get that on SmackDown compared to what you, the six man tag on Raw tells you exactly what you need to know about the difference between those shows. As for the match itself, I'm going with just Daniel Bryan retaining, right? Yeah, I, I am as well, unless there's some kind of curve that I don't see coming. Uh, unless their plan is AJ Styles, Randy Orton. But you'd sacrifice everything they're putting into Daniel Bryan. Look, they put enough into Daniel Bryan that it has to be Daniel Bryan in this, right? Because I was thinking, like, what if The Miz, what if this is all a push for The Miz? What if The Miz and, and Shane lose the titles, but... Mm-hmm. Miz is using Shane to get some type of push with Vince, and then it ends up with Miz getting a title shot, but he's a heel again. So that, look, there's the, that's the problem across the board. I don't. I, yeah. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. You that, could, I mean, you could put the title on Styles and Brian Chase to get it back as a heel, but they just got out of that storyline. So it's like, why go back to that? Are we having you a know? multi-man match and we don't see it coming? It's possible. I would not like that, but I mean, it's out there. All right. Hey, that wraps up Elimination Chamber. You can catch that Sunday evening on the damn WWE Network. Adam, it's time to put our hands inside the feel hole, move it around a little bit. What do you got this week? What popped you as a non-independent AEW supporting wrestling fan? (laughs) So I will narrow it down to a single moment, but the 60-minute episode of NXT this past week. Oh, yeah, we need to talk NXT. Well, we're going to because both of our field spots are about NXT. So I figured we'd just do it now. The 60-minute episode, top to bottom, start to finish, was a field spot. Nearly every segment had me totally intrigued at what was going on, the exception being the Riker match. The Forgotten Sons are just, God, horrible. Um, But outside of that, the rest of this has me interested uh, and curious as to what is coming up for NXT TakeOver New York, which is what they're calling it, by the way, WrestleMania weekend. But for me to narrow it down, the match between Matt Riddle and Drew Gulak, which was completely inside the four ropes, no high spots, nothing outside the ring, a pure submission wrestling match between two of the best in the company to do it. Feel spot after feel spot. It was aggressive. Riddle looked like a damn star by the time it was over. Genius move bringing Gulak into NXT initially and then giving us that match as like a secondary, what you thought was a secondary result of him being there. It was ended up being the primary. I loved it. Good on him. Great on Matt Riddle. I really believe Matt Riddle is going to be huge. And I know Jack feels this way, Jack Crosby, who you guys have heard occasionally. He's going to be huge in WWE. And that match, more so than the Cassiano feud was the first step towards that. Yeah, he's special. He can do a lot of different things. I was I was loving that Gulak is getting this type of push, getting the two matches right there. Um, look, I got a lot suddenly I want to talk about. In fact, I want to pause this NXT conversation to bring in what we forgot to talk about during the extended AEW one is 
Kota Ibushi in the most recent NJPW oh, we did. thing did announce yeah. that he's signing with NJPW for two years. Yeah, first time ever, I think. He doesn't sign contracts. And two years, two years, I think, exclusive with NJPW. Do, we don't know if it's exclusive, though, right? I don't think we know that. I think that's what the tweet said, but maybe I'm wrong. So here's the thing. We think we know that Kenny can still do NJPW. If Coda can do some form of AEW, then it's a giant win for all of us here. But let's let's put it under the premise that he can't. If he's staying with NJPW, I will tell you this. It's going to make me want to look a lot closer than I wasn't lying. When Kenny, when the idea of now Kenny and the Bucks being out of NJPW and no longer getting that portal through the BTE show to see, um, it's attacking my fandom to a certain degree. But Coda is going to bring me back. I mean, if he ends up winning the New Japan Cup and then will face uh, Jay White at the Madison Square Garden show, that could be interesting. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I love Ibushi. Uh, you know that. But this is one of few ways to get me to keep watching NJPW. I, I will always watch, especially now that we're into it, Dominion, the G1, and Wrestle Kingdom, right? But they've really lost me giving the title to Jay White and just the storylines and the matches are great, but I can watch good wrestling. I watch it all the time on NXT. I'm expecting to get some really good wrestling in AEW. WWE occasionally gives us a couple really good matches. Okay, so I'm filled. NGPW, the hook they had was the elite Coda and and some of those and Jericho and some of the storylines they were producing. And those guys are gone. And I just don't really care much anymore. Coda keeps me around. You give me some Coda Osprey matches that deliver a little bit better than the last one. I'm in. You Give me Coda Tanahashi, Okada, Naito. I'm in. I want to see these things. So you give me if a they Kenny actually Co- signed him. If we actually get a Kenny Coda singles main event for the damn championship. where they Kenny's do... not there. We're talking about NJPW right now. Right. And what, what I just established and said was that what we are under the understanding is that Kenny can still do NJPW. We, I, think, I think what he said is that that's the hope. I think it's open on his end. So if he can come back, let, yeah. let's say even in a only for Wrestle Kingdom thing, then we can finally see the Kenny Coda match with no time limit that can go 60 minutes that can potentially get 37 stars. Yeah, I, I assume it won't be for a title. I would I would make the assumption. Why not? Because I don't think they put someone who's not with them in a title match. If Ibushi is getting signed and getting the push that he deserves, and let's remind everybody that he's like 35, so he's not young, and right. they go with him meaning he ends up going through Okada and he's the guy and you have that untapped storyline with the golden lovers exploding. Um, Yeah. You'd bring in Kenny and let him lose Dakota. Yeah, you would. If he was going to lose, I suppose, but then you're taking a title opportunity off of someone you've signed. Dude, they're trying you to... also are going to have a must see main event. Where are you? Don't get lost in the weeds. I'm here. just, I, I don't know. They, they don't, they seem to be very careful about stuff like that. That's all. I'm, I'm talking about what they actually do. That's all. You know what I want to say one last thing about AEW? Can we talk about NXT? No, no, we can't. On your on your show, on your spinoff show, it's going to be... Well, the whole section is for NXT. We're we're talking about NGPW, which is okay because we missed that. That's my fault. The biggest signing AEW can do right now, I think, and the perfect signing, would be to throw everything they have at Naito and make him the dominant heel of ATW, AEW full-time. If they got he has Naito, said he's not. He has said he's not leaving Japan. I know, but it met, like that's the one guy, even more than Okada, even more than Ibushi, even more than all those guys. Naito, I think, could be like a legitimate 
game changer for an American audience that hadn't seen him before. If they started watching AEW and they're like, oh my God, like this is the guy. That's the guy. That's the guy right there. Okay. Man, man. You know what I'm going to start doing? I'm going to do an AEW podcast just for myself. Like there'll be no listeners. It'll just be me in a room. You're right. You're right. You're right, BC. There will be no listeners. It'll be just me and actually the, the me and the Mount Rushmore, me and four listeners. All right. Me and the core yeah. people that hold the, the bones together on this uh, podcast house. Me, Talk Box, all those dudes. Yes. yes. Silver King Club is for everyone. Wow. Wow. Uh, yeah. All right. So N- NXT um, opening segment uh, DIY. Well, well, why don't you talk about your feel spot first and then we'll, then we'll go from there. All right. My feel spot did come from NXT. Uh, I had no idea who this dude was, but Eric Bugenhagen is my man. The match with Gulak was amazing. His entrance was amazing. Yes, there's a lot of Ace Tanahashi ripoff there. And yes, once Vince gets his hand on Eric Bugenhagen, you can easily see him as the Gennetti in an Elias tag team in about three years. But... This dude coming out as just a washed rock and roller in 80s pants doing putting people in the abdominal stretch and doing guitar windmills. Uh, yeah, that's my type of guy right there. <laughs> this is where NXT can do cheese. Let's remember how much we love Tyler, T- Tyler, Ty Dillinger in NXT, right? Which is, is a cheesy ass gimmick with 10. The NXT can do cheese and make it smell so good. Vince makes cheese smell bad. This was perfect. This is the perfect level of cheese. This is like prime dozer in NXT where you're like, man, this guy is so lamely cool. I love me some Eric Bugenhagen, and I have no idea who this guy is. If he was on the indies and I missed him, then take away my indie card, but I'm loving this. It was really damn funny. He reminded me of, uh, if you guys have ever seen that movie, I forgot what it's called, but it's a movie about um, kids starting their own college. Justin Long is the lead, and I think Jonah Hill is in it as well. And there's just like this rocker guy, an 80s rocker guy who dresses exactly like Bugenhagen, does the air guitar, wears big glasses. He reminded me of like that guy as a wrestler. Um, if anyone comes up with the name of that, that movie, please let me know. Is that Get in the Greek or something like that? What's it called? Get in the Greek. Is that the movie you're referencing? No, that's a great movie that is on, uh, I think, Showtime or Stars right now with Jonah Hill and Russell Brand. That's a fantastic movie, by the way. Very underrated. And P. Diddy's in that movie, and he crushes it. All right, I'll watch Sergio. that movie on the plane ride home on Saturday. And I'll Get him to the Greek the is great. Have you never seen that movie? No, I'm going to watch it on the plane. I will not watch uh, May Young Season 2 yet, but I will watch Get in the Greek. Let's do it. I would watch Get Him to the Greek over it. It's, I've, been, I've probably seen it 10 times in the last month because it just keeps being on. I forgot if it's on Showtime or Stars but, or HBO, but they keep replaying it recently. It's really damn good. You'll enjoy it. Um, but this guy reminds me of a guy from that other Justin Long movie, the one I'm actually talking about. Um, called Accepted, I think is what it's called. That might be it. Uh, but he reminds me exactly of that guy as a wrestler. It was really funny, a really good moment. But that, again, that was just a portion of why NXT was so good this week. You had uh, Velveteen Dream in the segment with Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano. You had the, the whole, all the stuff with Matt Riddle and with um, Drew Gulak that we talked about. And then you had the main event BC with Io Shirai pinning Shayna Baszler and basically clearly becoming the number one contender, which means that NXT TakeOver New York, we're most likely going to see Shayna Baszler against Io Shirai and maybe seeing Io Shirai win the title. Wow. That is going to be incredible. Yeah, she could she could really have a, a star run as champion of NXT where where we are just like blown away by her talent on a regular basis. Are you where I am where I'm very uneasy and it's early and they're getting pushed to, and rushed, but I'm uneasy about these uh, MMA four horsewomen. 
uh, in terms of what they can add to a potential Rousey storyline. Um, God so, bless Marina Schaffer and Jessamine Duke, but uh, it's early. So how about this? I uh, And this is because, you know, I'm not really a big MMA guy. I had them mixed up until last week. I thought the names were the other person. I thought Shafir was the was the blonde and Duke was the uh, brunette. Nope, nope, nope. Whole time I thought that. Uh, it's interesting. Duke is better. Sorry, not Duke. Uh, Shafir is better in the ring. Duke, in my opinion, has the better look. Okay, okay. I don't think they have much going for him right now. I hope it changes. I don't think together they have anything going for no, him. No, I hope I it changes. Fair. I think they're actually bringing Shayna down, but I hope it changes. I really hope it does. I'm cheering for them, and yes, I'd risk it all for Liv Morgan. Is that what you just asked me? I didn't, and I don't get that either. I'm not with you on there. All right, thank you. Let's move um, but but the, the to open the show, though, we did have the Velveteen Dream Johnny Gargano situation which I thought was expertly done. It was great. It really was great. Uh, the only storyline part they didn't really explain was why Velveteen would turn down a chance at wrestling for the NXT championship to go for the North American instead. I thought that they they chipped away at his credibility a, a bit to not at least explain it. But now that like Johnny turns down Ciampa's sort of offer to, to align and then sort of kind of came back to it subtly walking out of the ring where this is going. I want to be there. And right now, yeah. as we're already been seeing at these uh, at these takeovers, the combination of the DIY guys, Velveteen and Ricochet and even Adam Cole, just keep rotating them in matches against and Alistair Black. Too. Alistair yeah. Black. I mean, it, that's why this is the golden age of NXT. That's why 2018 was arguably the best year for any wrestling promotion ever in the modern day outside of maybe 2017 and JPW. Seriously, like what a friggin' year. And it's because these guys are interchangeable in not just great matches, but storylines and feuds. I mean, just the mic work to open NXT this week. It's, it was just raw and basic, but it's sim, it's simplicity, but brilliant simplicity. It's it's what I want out of wrestling. I don't need the extra stuff. It's simple and it's perfect. And it's not going to be like that when they go to high school, Billy. But right now it's great. But what was crazy about 2018 is they also got Delta Swerve with Aleister Black basically tearing his nutsack. So they had that wasn't even their plan. You know what I mean? Like that extra match with, with Gargano and Champa. They had to like – insert that and figure out a story storyline way around that they had nikki cross you know knowing who the attacker was turning gargano heel i don't even know if that was part of the plan now gargano's like waiting between being a heel and being a face but turning down champa was a step in the right direction but what they need to do is they have to get the north american title off of gargano they have to because they need him to challenge champa at a takeover new york right i need that match that has to be our main event so how do you get there you insert Velveteen Dream. I agree with you a little bit that the explanation of why he didn't take the NXT title shot was a little weak. It was kind of like been there, done that, I think is what he said, something along those lines. Sure, but it's the main title and you almost beat the guy. Sure. So maybe do it again in a match that doesn't have a double ring where you're not going to get your head planted on the steel and give the guy an out, right? You may have won the match otherwise. What a damn so good I agree with I agree that was a little bit weak, but the segment was great. What a damn good episode of NXT, man, man. Funny. Top to bottom, sixty straight minutes. Very good episode. It's just it's just tough because I know we're not the only people who watch that and go, "That's the best thing there." Why can that not be on national TV on Friday nights? Why can that not be like? 
why can't that be AEW? I mean, like, like, like somebody's got to put money behind this, and it can't just be on WWE's network that regular people don't see. Come on. You know, I do think that people don't really talk about it. talk about it this way. Everyone's talking about can AEW live up and be better than WWE? Maybe that's not the level that it needs to live up to. It may be needs to live up to NXT because the truth is, if you're a wrestling fan, most people are watching WWE main roster every week, no matter what. Even if you're tuned out off of it a little bit, not a huge fan, it's whatever. You're paying attention. You know what's happening. The competition that they are really going to have is for the extra wrestling time every week. And right now, at least my assumption, is most people are spending that watching NXT, some less 205 Live, even fewer NXT UK. Can AEW provide a product that competes with NXT? That's more difficult and less likely, in my opinion. And I think they should model NXT from the standpoint of like NXT does the small arena. All the fans buy in. They support everything that happens. I think that uh, AEW should channel back to uh, Jim Crockett Promotions, WCW, NWA, and do it in a tiny studio with a cr- with a crazy crowd there every week, and have the little interview desk on the side and channel back that old school. Because you know the 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 debate when I say things like if only you could take NXT and push it to the mainstream. There's certain there's there's a debate that happens. People go, okay, that's great, but that plays to a small arena like a band, like an indie band plays to a club. But what happens when you take that same indie band and, and put them in a stadium? Does it echo the same way? And my alternate, my question to that is, why do you have to put it in the stadium? I mean, WWE does it because it's it's a live touring business to them. They make a ton of money live with Raw and SmackDown along with the TV deal. So they're playing to that loud large crowd, sixteen thousand right. people, but does the live t- does the TV show each week have to be playing to 16,000 people? Does it have to be rivaling WCW and go to the Georgia Dome? No. Why can't you put that little studio show on? I'm just saying, like, there's different ways to think about this. If AEW gets away from the idea of live business and just says, let's have a great TV show and great pay-per-views, this could work. Well, the other thing that makes me curious about AEW is they're paying all this money. If they're not having live events, then they're paying a lot of money for 52 episodes of TV and four to eight pay-per-view events. It's going to be interesting. I, it's not It's not my money to deal with. Um, they seem to be offering people a lot of money to want to potentially come over. Uh, let's see where it goes. Let's see it, brother. Let's. But for now, it. I will watch NXT and love NXT and everything about NXT. All right. All right. Now, why don't you answer this question? Now, tell me who's the fruit booty. I don't know that I can answer that question. Neither <laughs> can I. All right, another great neither, episode. Neither could anyone in that moment. That is either. true. Another great episode is in the books. Um, yeah, continue, fans. Continue to, to decide and declare for yourselves, not just what side you're on in the great war right now of uh, AEW versus the 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 status quo, but I think, you know, BC and Silver King because there's a split coming. And uh, look, you're not going to be able to listen to both podcasts. You're going to have to decide what side you're on. The, the the original or the red and black, the wolf pack, okay? Don't turn don't turn your back on the wolf pack. Yes. Uh it's time to You know the show you know the show is red and black by default. That's our logo. Wow. Wow. Maybe you should spin off then. Oh hey, everybody, check me out Saturday on FS1, PBC face to face. Two episodes coming your way with your boy BC. 
sitting down with some some boxers, getting you fired up. Look, some trash talking, BC getting in the middle of it. It's going to be fun. Check that out. Uh, check out our other podcast on State of Combat this week. Bellator uh, MVP versus uh, Paul Daly. There's going to be some bonanza, some fireworks this Saturday in that welterweight World Grand Prix. We have interviews with both two wild Brits that are going to trash talk. You're going to love it. Check out the box version as well. Adam, you want to sell anything? Uh, no, nothing to sell. Just want to say goodbye. Say goodbye. Say goodbye. Goodbye. Good night. Bang. Right. Just bang. Can you play the real? Can you play the real one, please? Well, that is the real. That's, that's... No, it's not the real one. The real one's Randy and me. Say goodbye. Yeah, but it is rough, Randy. Yeah, but it is rough. Yeah, wrestling is a rough sport. Indeed. Yes, it is. And we are out.